What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Today, I'm going to be going in-depth about three players on the Bills roster who I think are going to make a significant jump this year and have big contributions for the team. And I'm also going to be answering a question that many Sabres fans have been wanting to know for about 13 years now. And that's, what if the Sabres would have re-signed Daniel Briere and Chris Drury in free agency in the summer of 2007? I'm going to go in-depth into that. Um, if you haven't done so already, please go and follow at English Encore Podcast, all one word, on Instagram. I post my podcast there every Tuesday and Saturday as well as have live sessions there most weekends. I've been doing live sessions now for about six weeks in a row. I've had some really great guests, including Marty Baran, Takal Molson from Seton Hall. And last week, I was very fortunate to have Joe Licata, one of the best quarterbacks in Western New York history, great player at UB, and he's now the athletic director and head coach of football at Bishop Timon High School here in Buffalo. So, Keep checking those out. I'm hoping to get my guest announced either tomorrow or Thursday. So keep an eye on that and stay tuned in for hopefully another great live session this weekend. And I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. And let's get into the podcast for today. So the three players I'm going to talk about with the Bills, you know, you could easily go and say Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, guys who you think are going to have a huge impact this year because, you know, they're the big household names They're the guys that are on the field pretty much 24-7, whether it's offense or defense, and pretty much everyone in the NFL knows who they are. I'm going to be talking about three guys that maybe not everyone in the NFL really knows about yet, and none of these guys have been in the league for more than three years, and I think that this year, these three guys in particular are going to stand out for the Bills and make a significant impact that many people, I don't know, or many people don't think they might have. Um, starting off, I think Saran Neal is going to have a great year for the Bills. He was a guy that really made a big jump last year as far as production and getting more snaps. He had 36 tackles last year. I believe the year before that, he only had about 11 tackles. He was very productive on special teams for the Bills. And you saw, especially in the playoff game, they put him out there in situations against bigger, more physical wide receivers or tight ends. And I think that's going to be a huge help for the Bills this year, especially with all the great tight ends they're going to be facing. You know, you have to go against the George Kittles of the world, the Travis Kelseys, the Darren Wallers, big physical tight ends. Saran Neal, six-foot guy, that's 206 pounds. He's almost built like a linebacker. He kind of is that bigger slot guy for the Bills. You know, you have Teron Johnson, who plays in the slot mostly for the Bills when he stays healthy. Saran Neal showed great promise last year that he can play lined up in a lot of different defensive spots for the Bills. You know, originally he was drafted as a safety for the Bills, and he does play safety sometimes if Hyder Poyer needs a breaker, depending on um, how the scheme is set up defensively. And Leslie Frazier changes it up, and they want to throw a different look at it. Sometimes Neal comes in to blitz to create pressure, line up against bigger receivers and tight ends, as I mentioned. And I think they're going to really need him to step up this year. You know, Hyde and Poyer are continuing to get up there in age. He's a guy that could eventually fill one of those roles. But not only along with special teams, he's going to need to be the guy 
against these bigger wide receivers and corners outside of Tredavious White. Trey White can line up with pretty much anyone, but we've seen in the past, even with the acquisition of Josh Norman, him and Levi Wallace can sometimes struggle against these bigger wide receivers or quick guys in and out of the slot, and I think that Saran Neal could have a great impact there. Um, my second guy is Dawson Knox, that's second-year tight end. Um, if anyone in the NFL knows about him, it's all the guys that he stiff-armed into the ground this year. I think people around the NFL, they know who Dawson Knox is. It's pretty much for his physical prowess and his ability to pretty much run people over. He has great catching ability and he can make a lot of very tough catches. He had a lot of great one-handers, over-the-shoulder, pretty hard catches here. The big thing with Dawson is this past year, he did have 10 drops, which was very high. I believe it was the third most in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. He had 50 targets, only had 28 receptions, 388 yards, and two touchdowns in 2019. He did average 13.9 yards per reception, which is very good. I expect him to have a very much uptick in his touchdown total this year. I could see him getting in a 7-9 to nine range. I think he's going to be a huge red zone threat. The biggest thing for him is he has to eliminate the drop perspective in his game. I think he's going to continue to get better at blocking. You saw in a lot of games last year, he was a very efficient blocker. One play that comes to my mind every time I think about Dawson Knox and blocking is against the Giants in a week two. It was an outside pitch play to Devin Singletary, and Knox got up the field took out, I believe it was a safety or a linebacker, and allowed Singletary to go right in behind him. And you saw Josh Allen immediately before going to congratulate Devin Singletary. He ran right up to Dawson Knox because he saw the block he made. Um, Dawson seems like he's a very high-character guy, really wants to continue to get better. And you can tell every time he did have a drop last year that he not only got told about it by his teammates and coach on the sideline to you know, encourage him, but also make sure that he's not going to continue to do that. And I think he will have a lot less drops here. Hopefully he can have it under five. But I think he's going to play a significant role for the Bills. Tyler Croft really hasn't um, proven to be what they wanted him to be. He was hurt last year. He restructured his contract this offseason. Lee Smith's really only there for leadership and blocking. He's more of a guy that's just going to help Knox you know, grow as a player He's not a guy that's going to have more than five to six catches on the season. And then they do have Tommy Sweeney, who I think is also a good developing tight end. But I think Dawson Knox is definitely going to be the featured guy. John Brown, when he was interviewed, I believe, by CBS on a podcast, he talked and raved about Dawson Knox, thinking that he's going to be a huge contributor to the Bills' offense this year. So he's going to be one to watch. And then one guy I don't think a lot of people remember that I think could have a huge impact is Voshan Joseph. The Bills drafted him last year in the fifth round out of Florida. He was coming off of a monster season where he had 93 tackles, nine tackles for a loss, four sacks, and five pass deflections. Um, He can help fill that Lorenzo Alexander void that we're going to have. Obviously, you can't replace a guy who has that type of leadership skills. They did have uh, other Alexander in there behind him, Maurice Alexander, who used to play for the Seahawks. They aren't bringing him back. They did sign a veteran, A.J. Klein. I just don't see how many snaps he's going to have on defense. He's a little bit of a slower um, linebacker compared to Voshan Joseph. Joseph's 6'1", 230 pounds, can fly around the field. Um, He missed the entire season last year with a shoulder injury, so we only got to see him in preseason. 
And you could definitely tell at times he looked a little off. He wasn't very sure of himself. But I think now a year of just getting to sit and watch along with playing with Edmonds and Milano if he gets the chance, an opportunity to, or at least even sit behind Klein and maybe come in on third downs or you know run heavy downs or whatever it may be, I think he can have a significant impact. And I also think he can help on special teams. I know they signed that linebacker from Pittsburgh who's led the league in tackles for special teams for the past three years. But Voshan Joseph, I think, has a lot more upside at the linebacker position. And Klein's another guy who's kind of getting up there in age. He's been around for a little bit. And I think Joseph with Milano and Edmonds would be a great pairing. Not to mention, when you have guys like Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins, Tredavious White coming up for big contracts, there's a chance that they might have to let one of the guys walk. I know the Bills are in a very good cap situation, but you really don't know what Bean is thinking, whether a big free agent comes available and he thinks that can put us over the top, and you might have to let a guy like Matt Milano walk, especially in the next year when you have to pay Tremaine Edmonds, who's pretty much the cornerstone of your defense. Maybe Voshan Joseph can be the guy that develops into a Matt Milano-type role, and you still have him under contract for the next three years at a very cheap price. So that's a guy I'd really expect to fight for one of the final roster spots, and if he does make it, I think he could have a very, very big impact on the defense this year. So now going into the Sabres. One of the biggest questions many people have always wondered. A lot of people have debated it on different sports podcasts. A lot of Sabres people have talked about it in general. Going back 13 years ago in July of 2007, the Sabres in Darcy year decided to not re-sign Chris Drury, or Daniel Briere. Now, a little bit of a backstory from what I've gathered. I think the rumors and what actually happened are still kind of up in the air. There was pretty much the story along the lines of they weren't planning on re-signing Briere. They were solely focused on signing Chris Drury because they didn't think they'd be able to bring both of them back. Chris Drury decided to sign with the Rangers, and by the time that they found that out and they wanted to sign Briere. He had already signed with the Flyers. There was also something about the contract not getting to Drury in time or something of that nature. So Briere in 2007 signs an eight-year, $52 million deal with a no-trade clause with the Philadelphia Flyers. And then Chris Drury signs a five-year, $35.25 million contract with the New York Rangers. So after those moves were made, the Edmonton Oilers signed one of the rare offer sheets for Thomas Vanek in which if the Sabres elected not to match it, they would have been compensated with four years worth of first round picks from the Edmonton Oilers. However, because they let go of Briere and Drury, Darcy Regeer was forced to pay Thomas Vanek. Not, I shouldn't even say forced because Vanek was a great player. I've said on the podcast before, he's the most underappreciated Sabre of all time. And I really love Thomas Vanek. But you were basically forced to pay him because if you accept that deal and let Vanek, or you don't accept a deal and Vanek walks to Edmonton and you just get four years first rounders, well, yeah, that's great. But now you don't have Briere, you don't have Drury, you don't have Vanek. You're pretty much your three premier players are just gone. The city would have probably rioted against Darcy Regeer, and they already didn't like him because they screwed up the Drury and Briere situation so badly 
So I want to examine what would have happened if they decided to re-sign them. You know, the Sabres were a team that were pushing for the Stanley Cup year after year when they had Breer and Jury. It was almost expected they were going to get to the Cup as long as they were able to get through Ottawa. So they lose to Ottawa in 07, at the end of 06-07 season, when many people thought the Sabres could go to the Stanley Cup. That was the year they won the President's Trophy. And, you know... If we re-sign them, so we re-sign Briere at the same amount, eight-year, fifty-two million, Drury five-year, thirty-five point two five million. Now, do you have the room to re-sign Thomas Vanek? No, probably not. You probably do have to let him walk. However, that's okay because you brought back those guys. So you lose Vanek, but you get four years worth of first-round picks from the Edmonton Oilers, and you have Briere and Drury back. So in the year 2008, the Sabres drafted Tyler Myers and Tyler Ennis. This was also around the time where there was speculation that the Sabres were ready to move on from Brian Campbell. They ended up not doing that that year because it was the last year of his deal. Campbell ends up moving on with the Blackhawks in 2008. So when you're looking at the Sabres roster, if we re-sign them, Briere and Drury, for this 07-08 season... You still have a lot of your core guys. Even though you lose Vanek, you still have Derek Roy. You still have Jochen Hesch. You still have Max Afinaganov. You have these young guys. You have good defensemen. Brian Campbell's still around. If they bring back Breer and Jury, maybe they decide to keep Campbell and you continue to build and try to win a Stanley Cup. Or if you let Campbell walk like they did, you have Tyler Myers coming up in the ranks. And Myers was one of the last defensemen on the Sabres when we made the playoffs in 2011. So if you would have had Myers potentially on a team with Brian Campbell, that would have been ideal. Now, addressing the four years worth of first-round picks. So in 2009, the Edmonton Oilers' first-round pick was Magus PRV. Chris Kreider was also in that draft class, who was a little bit later, so you could have ended up with one of those guys. You look at 2010... Edmonton wins the lottery, so that they select T- Taylor Hall. Tyler Sagan was the number two pick, so you could have potentially ended up with one of those two guys. And then 2011, they win the lottery again and select Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Gabriel Landeskog, Shifley also are in that draft class. Not saying that the Sabres would have gotten those guys specifically because when they got Vanek, maybe they would have been a little bit better. We don't really know, so I'm going based off of who they picked. So if we're going off exactly who they picked, you have Pooley-Arvey, Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Well, now you have three great prospects who are coming up in the ranks and could potentially play towards the later end of Briere and Jury's contracts. And then once they're gone, you don't really have to rebuild like the Sabres have been trying to do since they left. You know, we had Pominville and Vanek in them, and we were able to make a playoff run because Ryan Miller was so great in 2011. But after that, we were just struggling. We were kind of right always outside of the playoffs, and then we've been struggling since. We got Tim Murray. We embraced the tank and got Jack Eichel. If we sign Breer and Jury, we probably don't end up with Jack Eichel today. We don't end up with Rasmus Dahlin. Maybe we don't even trade Ryan Miller. Because Ryan Miller, if we would have 
continue to have Breer and Jury with the, those core group of guys and you just lose Thomas Vanek, your only loss, but then you have four years worth of not only your first-round picks, but Edmondson's first-round picks to bring up into the ranks, whether it takes a year or two, you saw what a year or two in Rochester is able to do for the Derek Roys, the Thomas Vanek's, the Paul Gostads, the Pominvilles, the Millers. You bring those guys up, and I think the Sabres had a legitimate chance to win multiple Stanley Cups. Not to mention, as Miller's years progressed after the 2006-07 season, he continued to get better and went all the way to a Vesna-level goaltender and was a star in the Olympics, so much so that even when they lost in the gold medal game to Canada on a fluke Cindy Crosby goal, he still got named MVP of the tournament and then when they returned and played in Pittsburgh, he got a louder ovation than Cindy Crosby did. So you have Ryan Miller continuing to go into his prime, bringing back Breer and Jury to be your core top two guys, top two centermen and captain or assistant captain for the next five years at least because Breer would be there for eight years, Jury for five. And if you look at what they did once they left, so Breer signs with Philadelphia. 07-08, he has 72 points. 08-09, he only plays 29 games, but has 25 points. 09-10, 53. 10-11, 68. 11-12, 49. And then 12-13, 16 points in 34 games. Then you look at his playoff numbers. 07-08 playoffs, Breer, 16 points in 17 games. 09-10 when they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals before losing. He had 30 points in 23 games. One of the most remarkable playoff runs I've ever seen. Then 11-12, he has 13 points in 11 games. So Breer has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 great years with the Philadelphia Flyers when he signs the 8-year deal. Yes, he had a little bit of an injury history and he missed a good chunk of games in 08-09 and in the back end of the 12-13 season. But if you could get six years out of the eight at a very high productive level, not to mention if he would have stayed in Buffalo, I think those numbers would have actually been a little higher because he would have been continuing the chemistry with his linemates. And as you saw the years progress in Philadelphia, once he got the right chemistry with the Brad Richards, the Jeff Carters of the world there, he was an elite scorer there as well. So having him and Drury stay, I think, would have only been beneficial not only for them, but for the Sabres. You look at Drury when he went to the Rangers, he had 58 points his first year, 56 his second year. Then you continue to go down to 32 points in 09-10. 2011, he had a knee issue and was going to miss the entire season. He also had some history with concussions, and he decided to retire in 2011. So he really only had two good years with the Rangers before he really dipped off his third year. And I just think that if they would have kept him, he wouldn't have had to play as significant of a role that he did with the Rangers. Because I think he was the perfect complement on the Sabres with Briere to go along with the Affiniganovs and Pominvilles of the world to create a very balanced roster. You know, Drury played in 21 playoff games for the Rangers in three years and only had eight points. And in two of those playoffs, his last two years there in the playoffs, he only had one point in both times they were in there. I believe it was a six-game series and a five-game series. He had one point in both of those years. So to me, looking back at what could have been, 
I truly believe if we would have signed those two guys, the Sabres were in position to win two Stanley Cups by now. Just because, yes, you're losing Vanek, but you still had a Finneganov, who people always forget when we made a huge run the few years prior, he led the team in points. And then you have Pominville still. You have the veteran like Jochen Hesch. And then you have all these young guys coming up. Tyler Myers coming up. Tyler Ennis. You could have had Taylor Hall, Tyler Sagan, Chris Kreider, Nugent Hopkins, whoever they may have picked with the Oilers picks coming up. So to me, they were in great position to not only win a few Stanley Cups, but they'd be in a great position now because since then they've just been trying to recover and they were able to move Vanek later down the line for first round picks. But then Tim Murray decided to trade all of our first round picks away to get guys to come in like the Ryan O'Reilly's, the Evander Canes, the Robin Leonard's of the world. And then he missed on other first round picks. Yes, we got Eichel and Sam Reinhart. But other than that, like we haven't had anyone to like help those guys out. Our farm system's made up of a bunch of older AHL, you know, veterans and we don't have a lot of guys coming up in the ranks. So, yes, we love having Jack Eichel now and Sam Reinhart. And Ukapekalukanen could be really good. Same with Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Dahlin. But was it worth it to lose Briere and Jury back in 2007 and potentially win Stanley Cups? Like That's a question that many Sabres fans want to know. We'll never know for sure if they would have won Stanley Cups if we kept them. But in my opinion, I think that we would have, and I think it would have set us up great for the long-term future of the Sabres, and I think we'd have a lot better team now, and we wouldn't be struggling as much as we have. And who knows, maybe Lindy Ruff could still be the coach here, maybe Ryan Miller would still be here as a backup. We just don't know. Um, but it's definitely a question that I think many Sabres fans would love to know, and my cousin Kyle actually pointed out it would be a great thing to do in ESPN 30 for 30 or an East 60 on like that whole off season, how it went down and everything. But that's going to do it for today's podcast. Like I said, please go follow at English Encore podcast on Instagram. Hopefully be able to get um, my guests announced either tomorrow or Thursday. And I appreciate everyone who's been supporting and tuning in for both the live sessions and listening to this on Spotify. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.